0: I believe with all my heart that you're here tonight. And so I give you my eyes, my ears, my heart, and my mind. And I boldly declare that tonight I will be changed by the word of God in Jesus' name. Now, I don't make you say that just because it's something to say. Your words have power. The word of God says that death and life from the power of the tongue. Amen? So you just said that you gave God every part of you, right? Right? and tonight you'll be changed by the Word. Well, speak that to somebody or yourself and say, tonight I'm going to be changed by the Word of God. Amen. Thank you so much for coming out in the midweek service. Looking at my notes, the last time I spoke was November 8th. So uh, even though we started a new series, uh, when I spoke back then, we're going to do a pretty intensive review. Uh, Just a couple announcements. First of all, Sunday, this is not just a kids' event. If you don't normally come on Sunday, man, come this Sunday. I already told Judy what I want to put on the, uh, our, when we send out our text to everyone who's on that. If you want to be on that service, just put your name out there at the information table, and you get a text that this is spectacular Sunday. And the Lord has given me a spectacular word. We're going to have a spectacular food. We're going to have spectacular events that are taking place, not only for the kids but for the adults I think the first thing we're doing is eating, right, Cindy? We're just going to be eating, so I know some of you will hang around for that. And if you have never ice skated on an indoor ice skating rink, amen. So how are you going to do it? We're going to flood it and freeze it. (laughs) No, you're going to see what we're going to do. It's really, really outstanding, so we're going to have a good time. Amen. You ready for the word tonight? Put your hands out to me. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, we come into agreement that every word, That comes out of my mouth or any speaker in this pulpit is from the mind will and purpose and heart of God father you have a word for these people specifically tonight it's for them or they would not be here and there's many that should be here and they're not gonna get it but these people will and I thank you Lord it will change their lives and I thank you for your presence Holy Spirit to do what you need to do and I thank you for it, father in Jesus name and everybody said amen so I said a month ago, probably the most asked question I receive from people is how do I know the mind and will of God generally and for my life? It's a good question. But many people don't know the will of God and they give God for credit, give God credit for things that God does not do. God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of bad things. Somebody said to me, well, you know, what's bad in God's eyes may be good or whatever. No, no, no. You know what's bad instinctively, and you know what's good. And you are parents, some of you. You would not do harm to your children, neither does my Father God do harm to you. And some Christians say that we can never know the will of God. And the scripture I quoted last time was 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, I has not seen nor ear heard neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So they would say, well, we never know what the will of God is for our lives because I has not seen, ear has not heard. They never seem to read the next verse, which says in First in Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. If you're a Christian, and you've asked the Holy Spirit to abide in you, he reveals his will and his mind to you because he loves you. Can you say amen? Amen. Or how about the other quote they like to quote, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, you can never know the will of God. Uh, You forgot to read the scriptures before these scriptures in Isaiah 6 through 9, which would help you realize that God was speaking to the unbeliever. He wasn't speaking to the believer. He said, You who unbelieve, you who don't know me, you would not understand my ways are so hard. But he's not talking to us as believers. We have the mind of God, we have the mind of Christ, so we can know the will of God. And then we read Second Peter chapter three, if you have your Bibles. Second Peter chapter one. I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter one in verses three through four. I hope you bring your Bibles to church. Second, you know, when you get raptured, I hope you have a Bible in your hand. Second come. Second Peter chapter one, verse three and four. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, Second Peter, I'm in first Peter. I'm going to start with verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How many want grace and peace multiplied unto you? Here it is. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. I had the opportunity of speaking out last week at a friend's church, bigger church. And I said to the people that uh, where Jesus said to Peter, when Peter says that Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And, and Peter just blurts out. You are you're the Messiah. You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And if and if he's like you and I, he's probably aren't like this. Where did that come from? And Jesus said to him, Peter, God has not re, has not revealed this to you. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but God. And one translation says, but the Spirit of God. He calls him Simon Bar Jonah, which means Son of Jonah, Jonah the the. the the guy that disobeyed God, the guy that ran away from God, the guy that didn't obey God, the son of him. He says, but you're Peter, the fragment of a rock. But upon this rock, I'll build my church. A lot of people say it's Jesus. It is. But who's Jesus? Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus is the Word. But the revelation of the Word, the revelation of Jesus, the revelation of the Scriptures, that are given to us by the Holy Spirit only are the foundation upon which the church is built. And you get that Say, Holy Spirit, show me what your word means. So this is what it says here. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you how? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ the Lord, according as his divine power hath, or has, past tense, given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Ready? Ready? Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Everything's through the knowledge of God. Remember I we taught you the scariest verse in the Bible? Matthew 7, 21. Many will say unto me, Lord, Lord. Look at all these great things we did. And Jesus said, depart from me, you who work iniquity. I never knew you. Well, they did a lot of things, but they did a lot of things under their own power. And by their own ability and by their own what they thought was right. It's knowing God. Get to know God. Get on your face and say, Lord, I want to know you. Read the word and get to know your God. That's what he's saying here. And all these things are given to you through the knowledge of him. How do we get to know God? How do we get to know Jesus? Let's substitute the word Jesus for who he is. How do you get to know the word? How do you get to know the will of God? New Testament. Old Testament. Testament means what? Will. Your last will and testament. So we find out here that God has given us everything we know, everything we need through the knowledge of him. you got to know it. So we begin everything we need through the knowledge of him. God communicates all his promises to us through his word. If you don't seek the truth in the word of God, you'll never get to know him. Do you know Jesus? Do you know his will? Do you know his mind? We come to trust God because we get to know him. Trust comes through the knowledge of who God is and what his will is. Well, we can never know the will of God. No, I just told you that he reveals his will to us by his spirit. But we find it in the word of God, the will of God. I love Romans. I always haven't quoted it in quite a while, but it's Romans 12, which says that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. That may mean prayer, reading the word, going to church. It's a living sacrifice, right? And be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. You're not going to be transformed just through prayer. You've got to transform by the renewing of your mind. And then it says that you may know the what? The good, the perfect, acceptable will of God. I can know the will of God by renewing my mind to his will, which is the word of God. Amen? You guys here? You're listening. So God will reveal his will, he will reveal his mind as we diligently and consistently seek him as hidden treasure. You know, the word of God says, the kingdom of God, every time God says, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is likened unto, in other words, this is the way it works with God. The kingdom of God is likened unto a treasure hidden in a field. That when a man finds that treasure, He sells all that he has to buy the field. So you kind of sold what you have to be here tonight. You sold your TV time. You sold your sleepy time. You sold your shopping time. You gave it up to be here and to receive the word of God. And what we do is we dig into the treasure of God's word. This is a treasure field. This is a field, and in this field is hidden treasure. I always use the example imagine you, you're, you look at this field and it says for sale and it looks like a plain piece of property and you're walking around and you stumble over a chunk of gold about this big. One thing about gold is it isn't just in one place, is it? It's throughout the whole field. So what do you do? Man, I'm selling my car, I'm selling my house, and I'm buying that field because when I find those chunks of gold, I can buy bigger houses and bigger whatever. That's what the word of God is like. If you get into the word, and you just say, Holy Spirit, show me what this means. And then the Holy Spirit reveals to you. People say, well, I read six chapters. Say, yeah, but what would you get out of it? What gem did you find? What gold nugget do you find that you can cash in, so to speak, that be applicable to your life? When I used to be afraid and I started digging the word, I found scriptures like, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I found scriptures like, this is my confidence that God is my helper. I'm not going to fear what man can do to me because God is my helper. I found that in the field by digging. I don't have to memorize six chapters. There may be one scripture that's applicable to me today. And then I can go back and read the same chapter two years from now, and I can find something else that's applicable to me today. So God will reveal his will. He will reveal his mind to those who diligently seek him. And we see words like hunger and thirst and seek first. This reveals a desire to know God in his word. How many want to really know God? And I don't want to stand before God and have an angel. Again, I'm just making believe that the angel says, you find Jesus, you can get it to heaven. There may be a lot of angels and people in heaven. I hope you can find Jesus. You'll know him if you know him. And as we find his mind and his will in the word of God, we come to realize that God is a giver of good gifts. He's a giver of good gifts. James 1.17 says, how many believe the word of God? Don't be convenient word people. Find what only you want to find to back up your theology. Find the word of God and let that change your theology. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift. How many? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness or shadow of turning. God is a good God and he gives good things. You know, one thing I realized recently is that we're living in a time of change. And I remember growing up how different things used to be. And some of you my age and older remember different times, slower times. No cell phones. No computers. We didn't even have pagers. And life was slower. We could appreciate things. I remember when we used to go shopping, we had to go downtown. A main street. And I remember as a kid, my brother and I getting on a Bus on a corner in our neighborhood and being driven to Perth, Amboy, New Jersey. That was a downtown place to shop all by ourselves. We didn't need a gun. We didn't need guards. My parents didn't have to sit at the end of their driveway waiting for the bus to pick me up. I got on the bus. Things are simpler. Things have changed. But you know what hasn't changed? I read the other night that there was a special moon this week. I looked up at the moon, and maybe I was thinking to myself, or maybe the Spirit of God was saying to me, that's the same moon Julius Caesar looked at. That's the same moon Abraham looked at. Get it? God is stable. Nothing's changed with God. Clouds still go by. The sun still comes up. The sun still goes down. Birds still sing. Fish still live in lakes and streams. Animals roam in the woods as it was day one. You you want to see the stability of God? There is no variableness with God. He doesn't wake up cranky pants one day and make you sick so he gets his jollies. He's just testing me. God don't work that way. God is not the tempter. He tempts no one. It's the enemy who tempts us. And we give in by our own lusts. God stands by your side to help you overcome. He's not the guy pushing you down. And God never expects us to be confused about his will. 1 Corinthians 14, tells us that God is not the author of confusion. There's a lot of Christians are confused about God. I was one of them. My dad was Greek Orthodox. We used to go to church. I used to be terrified. Nobody spoke English. It was dark, and there was all these chants, and God was spooky. And that's been my prayer lately. God, help me to get the spookiness or or the, the stupidity I have about you out of my mind and stop being afraid of God waiting for the lightning bolt to strike me down or cancer to hit me because he just wants his jollies. That's not the way God works. It's the enemy, Jesus says, that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Not Jesus. He's come to give you life and life more abundantly. Listen to 2 Corinthians 2, verses 15 through 16 in the New Living Translation. We who have the Spirit, capital S, understand these things but others can't understand us at all. How could they? For who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who can give him counsel? But we can understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. That's a quote from the Bible. Let me read again. again. We who have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, understand these things, but others can't understand us at all. How could they? For who can know what God is thinking? Who can give God counsel? But we can understand. See, there's always that scripture that answers the question. But we can understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. You now, the Word of God says no one knows when Jesus is coming back. But I researched that a little bit, and it says when that day draws near, we will know. may not know the day or the hour, but we'll know. It's soon. And we're sooner than ever before. But not just yet. And the Bible tells us, and we learned, that God, Jesus, doesn't even know when he's coming back. And you know why he doesn't know? Because if God told him, we'd know. You know why? We have the mind of Christ. Amen? That's how much God loves us. So God will go out of his way to reveal his will to you. In all places, of all places, I'm credible, in Joel, I'm sorry, Job, Poor old Job, right? Go to Job. Just before Psalm. And this is what the Word of God says. Now, there was a guy, Job had three, Job had three counselors. that had no idea what they're talking about. But one young guy kind of held his peace, and finally he said, I'm so filled with the Spirit of God, I, I can't help but speak. Now, he didn't blurt it out. He waited till the three older guys had their peace. You know, people that come, oh, I got a word, Pastor. I can't control it. That's not God. The Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That's why you can quench the Holy Spirit in your life and not hear what he wants to say to you. You say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Well, this young guy, Elihu, or Elihu, however you pronounce it, is anointed by the Holy Spirit, and he gives Job proper counsel. And listen to what this says. In Job chapter 33, I'm going to read it 14 through 18. For God speaks once, yet twice. Yet man perceives it. In other words, God's telling us twice, but we're not getting it. In a dream, in a vision, when deep sleep falls upon men in slumber upon the bed, then he opens the ears of men and searches of their instruction that he may, listen, that he may withdraw man from his purpose. We do some stupid things, don't we? We have some purposes that are absolutely going to cause us harm. And it says here that he wants to withdraw us from our purposes, and hide pride from men. He keeps back, if you make it personal, he keeps back my soul from the pit and my life from perishing by the word. Now, if you still don't listen to God, he is chastened also with pain upon his bed. The enemy moves in, you're not listening to God, all of a sudden you're being attacked. And a multitude of bones with strong pain so that his life pours bread and soul uh, dainty meats doesn't want to eat anymore, and his flesh is consumed away, and he cannot see, and his bones that were not seen stick out, and his draw, his 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 soul draws near to death and his life to the destroyers. The enemy's killing him. But God can't do a thing about it because you're not listening to what God is saying. And listen what happens now. If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand to show unto man his righteousness. Then he's gracious and say, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Guess who the ransom was? Jesus. God has found a ransom for your souls. Even when you don't listen to him, and you're screwing up, and you open the door for the enemy, and he attacks you, and God moves in. Man, I've experienced that. When the devil had me blindfolded and had me duped about some things in my life, and I look back and I go, man, I'm, I went nuts. I was deceived. I, I, I was like a temporary insanity. And then thank God, God moved in. My cousin had a dream back then about me, and my cousin is a pastor's wife, and she said, I had a dream that the devil had his arms around you from the back, and you were blindfolded. And I saw Jesus stand in front of you and tell the devil, let him go. And he has to obey. Well, why didn't God prevent this from happening to me? Because I didn't let him. I didn't listen to him. He may have given me dreams. He may have spoken to me through somebody else. And he definitely speaks to me in his word. And he says, don't do this. And we do it anyway. Don't we? We're all guilty. But it says here that God does communicate his will, his mind, for our benefit. He's trying to save us from going down in the pit. Listen to Isaiah 48, 16 through 17. Isaiah 48, 16 through 17. Come near to me, hear me. I have spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, there I am. That's God's name. And now the Lord God and his Holy Spirit have sent me. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer, I, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teaches you to profit, which leads you by the way that you should go. Do you know the mind, will, and purpose of God? He wants to lead you. He wants to show you the right way. And you know what the enemy has done? He has us so busy. And he has so much noise out there that we can't hear God. I remember saying to the Lord one day, Lord, it's really not fair that Abraham and Moses and Joshua, all these great men, could go out in the desert and have absolute silence and can hear from God. And what do we have? Facebook, Internet, television, radio, music, whatever, news, you name it that is eating up your time and taking away your need to just be quiet and listen to God. I don't care what anybody else thinks. What does God have to say to me? And if I need to be concerned about what you think, he'll tell me. When somebody in authority, whatever field they're in, says, this is what you need to do, the first thing I say in myself is, did God tell him that? Or did your education and your mind and your experience tell me what you think? What has God said to me? And if I have to die waiting for God to speak to me as to what he wants me to do, so be it. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Again, I say, wait on the Lord. Amen? Amen. Only the true born-again believer will be able to find and know the will of God for their everyday life. The only prayer the unbeliever can pray to God that God will hear is a cry to know God and a cry to be right with God. Aren't you glad for the word of God that says, Therefore, being justified by faith, I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm justified by my faith. What's my faith say? Jesus, Son of the living God, my Lord and my Savior, who has borne my sin and has put me in right standing with my Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil." You might say to me, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. but well, who's righteous in this room? Nobody. That's why we can't judge one another. The Bible says there are none righteous. No, not one. We have all fallen short from the glory of God. But we are made the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. For he who knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means you are in right standing with God, not because of you, but because of what Jesus has done. And that should put within us an attitude of gratitude. An attitude that says, I I know you've heard this a million times from me, I go to church not out of obligation, but out of appreciation. I know Brian's up here trying to get everybody to worship. Not out of obligation, you then have to. No, you don't, but out of appreciation. Worship is part of the body coming together. We worship God through our giving and through our speaking, through our loving one another, through actual worship, whether it's raising hands, bowing your head, or singing. I tell Brian all the time, and he knows it. A worship ministry is not there to entertain you When I hear people say, well, I go to the church because the music's great. Oh, God help us. Thank God for great music, but I hope the word's great. I hope people are getting saved. I hope people's lives are being changed. We're going to be really surprised, and I like to say this to pastors. We're going to be stunned at what God deems as successful when it comes to church. Oh, thousands. I came from a church of thousands of people. Incredible music ministry. They did a Hosanna tape. They were that great. That's good. But thank God we had good word, too. Because if you go someplace and say, oh, the music's great. Well, that's wonderful. Wait till all hell breaks loose in your life. Let's see what that music will do for you other than maybe lifting your spirits up a little bit. Do you know the word? <coughs> the sword of the, the, the spirit's not a... Tricky, not, not a, a, a catchy song. I like putting scripture to music, and we do that here. Then you can sing. You don't know this one: The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? We don't sing that song anymore, but it's the word of God. And a lot of the songs that Brian does is us singing the word of God. It's probably the only time you speak the word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's not just the Word of God. It's the spoken Word of God when you speak the Word of God. Amen? So instinctively, every person knows that there's a difference between right and wrong. You know that. Instinctively. Say instinctively. We're living in a day and age that prophetically in the Bible it says, There'll come a time when people call right wrong and wrong right. When I was growing up, certain things we consider okay now were not okay. And they're still not okay. But because some loud minority has made it okay in their eyes and got it passed maybe by a Supreme Court or something, it's all of a sudden all right. Listen, man doesn't deem what's right or wrong, God does. And you instinctively. God has put placed within you the ability to know right from wrong. Did you know that? Listen to this. Romans chapter 2, 12 through 15. How many believe the word of God? That's my instructions. Just declare the word of God. Not my opinion. This is the message Bible. Brian referred to Eugene Peterson, a great theologian who just has an incredible Understanding of the Word of God and he wrote the message Bible. It's a trans, it's a paraphrase, it's not word for word, but it's a he goes it by thought. He does it by thought. Here's the thought expressed in the word. Listen to this. Romans chapter 2, 12 through 15. When outsiders who have never heard of God's law follow it more or less by instinct, they confirm its truth by their obedience. They show that God's law is not something alien imposed on us from without but woven into the very fabric of our creation there is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and God's no and right and wrong people know you can go to the darkest deepest places in South America or Africa and they understand that stealing is wrong having another man's wife is wrong killing someone is wrong Lying is wrong. They know that instinctively. We we didn't have to find out by the Word of God. You should know what's right or wrong. We have to be taught incorrectly. Amen? So the Word of God says the only cry that God hears is to know from the believer, from the unbeliever. And that is heard from God because it's a cry, God, I want to know you. To the person who repents of their sinful nature and receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, <coughs> excuse me, will go through the process of the Holy Spirit possession. If they totally open up their will, His will, their will, to His will. Listen, we we have read this before in Luke chapter three. Incredible statement here, Luke chapter three verses twenty one and twenty two. How many love the Word of God? You know, the Word of God is alive. It wiggles. <laughs> when you hear it, it goes down into your gut. It does something. Luke chapter 3, 21 and 22. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape like a dove, not a dove, upon him and a voice came from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee who I am well pleased. There's your, don't say Trinity, because it's not in the Bible, say Godhead. Jesus, the Son, receives the Holy Spirit and is spoken to by the Father. So the Holy Spirit is upon the man Jesus. And whether or not the Holy Spirit totally has the will of Jesus is totally up to the man Jesus. God has given us a free will to choose to follow his will or to follow our own will. In 40-plus days, God accomplishes in Jesus what it takes maybe a lifetime in us. Total submission of our will to the will of God. Well, how can you submit your will to the will of God if you don't know the will of God? That's why God gave us the Bible, which is the will of God. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1 tells us that after Jesus was baptized, he was led of the Holy Spirit, to go into the wilderness and he's tempted in the same areas in his life as we are in ours the desire for self lusts desires of the flesh the desire for things possessions wealth and the desire for glory the recognition of people every time i talk about this thing of pride and, and how we want validation, I'll, I'll be talking about this on sunday how we want to be validated how we want to be great Famous. I remember driving, and I've done this so I can't mock the people, but uh, I was driving down the highway one day, the highway, and uh, I, I, I saw this girl in the car like this. And I'm thinking, she is on the stage at some great theater or some football stadium, and she's doing a concert in her eyes. Now you've never done that, right? I'm sure Brian hasn't. I mean, and he has the headset on, and the people are screaming. And cheering. look in the mirror. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> it's that desire, and Jesus had to fight that because his will had to give over to God's will. So Jesus was tested in his choice of wills. Remember, the topic tonight is finding. The mind and will of God. So we're going to have our will tested. So it's a choice of wills. Is it your will or God's will? And Jesus had to make the effort to seek and find the will of God and to know the choices. My will, God's will. So how did Jesus find the will of God for his life? The same way we have to. The same way we seek and find the will of God for our lives. First of all, when a person receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, can they ever expect to have the desire within them to seek God and his will? And can they ever expect to understand the word of God, which is the will of God? Yes. Nicodemus, a Pharisee. Man, Pharisees had to memorize chapters in these books like Leviticus. Mike, I want you to quote Leviticus chapter 3. <laughs> I mean, by heart, bro. Talk about And these guys had a memory. Nicodemus knew the letter of the word. And he comes to Jesus that night. Because you know, he gets caught. He's in trouble. He says to Jesus, there's something about you that I want. You couldn't be doing these things without God. Being on your side. It's like he's saying, what do you have? And Jesus says to him, John chapter 3 and verse 3, unless a man be born again, he cannot see, the word of God, cannot see the kingdom of God. Now I used to think that meant if I'm not born again, I will never see heaven. That's not what it means. The word see is that Greek word E-I-D-O-N. And it means unless a man is born again, he cannot understand The kingdom of God. Kingdom of darkness. Kingdom of man. Kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God's will. God's purposes. The way God speaks. The way God thinks. The way God acts. The way God reacts. That's how we're supposed to be. Jesus said it all the time in the Sermon on the Mount. It has been said of old. Eye for an eye. Tooth for tooth. Hate your enemies. But I say unto you. Here's the kingdom of God love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Is that different than what we have learned? Absolutely. And we have to make the choice. Do we do it God's way or our way? And so God, Jesus, tells Nicodemus, to be born again is you, you got to go, you, you have to just die to yourself, man. You have to, you have to go back to baby land and realize that all your knowledge and all your wisdom and all everything, all your education means squat to God and you need to come to God as a baby and be nourished on his word. Amen? Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God gives us the desire, right? How many want the, de- how many want, it says here, delight thyself and he will give you the desires of your heart. He, in other words, he's not just going to give you everything you want. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. He's going to place his desires in your heart. So God gives us a desire to seek, to know, and to do the will of God. How many, how many of you, I don't know how long ago, could care less about the will of God. Could care less about pleasing God. Never mention God. And now, God bless you means something. Right? What, what do you think, you did that? No, God put his desire in your heart. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, For it is God which works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure the amplified bible puts it this way not in our own strength not in your own strength for it is god who is all the while effectively at work in you energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight now when i used to read i used to say what what am i God's slave you know, we don't get it. God created us to be a certain way. And his way is going to bring you the most pleasure, the most peace, the most confidence, and the most joy. And we fight it because we "Well, oh, i got to serve God. No, no, no. He's trying to get you to become what you were created to be. You know, we, we think as a baby, think about innocent kids. Kids are so cool. They just speak their mind, don't they? They're so innocent. They've got to be taught to hate. They've got to be taught to be prejudiced. And as we grow older, we get worse and worse without God. We learn the ways of the world. So the initial desire and the decision to know God's will is mine. You've got to make a decision. It is, is it your desire to know God or not? It wouldn't, be hurt, it wouldn't hurt to go home and say, Lord, I want to know your will. This cry is to know God. Then God puts the drive within you to pursue Him and His will. However, you can resist that drive and it will die. Do you know? I honestly believe, and it's my opinion, that when people really are love God and say, God, I want to do your perfect will, they have to fight not to go to church. They have to convince themselves. It's not important. They have to convince themselves that prayer is useless because that spirit in you is crying out, seek God. Pray to God. Go to church. Find him. And everything else around us is saying, no, 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 don't do it. TV tells you God's a joke. Have you noticed... Anytime they have clergy on these sitcoms, they're idiots. They make them look like idiots, and God is a fairy tale. You get into the word of God more, and you're going to find out that God is real, and he's not a fairy tale. So to find the will of God for our lives, number one, make a free will decision to repent of your sin and receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. And then God will give you the desire to seek, find, and know the will of God, which is the Word of God. And number two, you will never fully understand the Word of God without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You will need the Holy Spirit to possess you. You receive Him by inviting Him into your life, by giving Him all of you. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, fill me, use me. Open up my ears. Open up my eyes. Guide me unto all truth. Lead me. You're my parakletos, the one called alongside to help me, my strengthener. Put you, your drive in me to seek God with all my heart. Let me hunger and thirst after the word like I hunger and thirst after McDonald's or whatever you like. Give me that hunger that thirst. Amen. I'm not done, but I'm going to stop here. This is going to be a few week series, I think, and I hope you're learning something with it. It's God's desire, God's will to show you who He is, His character, and His nature. Amen. Now before we end, we're going to pray. If anybody needs to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, listen, unless a man or woman is born again, you will never understand the things of God. You'll never get to know God. And remember the scary scripture in the Bible? I told you, Matthew 7, 21, Lord, Lord, they're calling Jesus Lord. Look what we did. Maybe they healed people. Maybe they raised the dead. Maybe they did maybe that. And Jesus said, depart from me, you who work iniquity. How could that stuff be iniquity? Because you did it in your own power. You never asked me what you wanted me to do. I wanted you to do. You never sought me. I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Unless you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you'll never know God. So with every head, every, every eye closed, I want you to consider, where do you stand with God? Where do you stand with God? Because without repenting of your sin and receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're lost. You may sit there in your seat and say, I, I want to know Jesus. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never done that before. If you want that for your life, we'll pray with you. Somebody will come to your seat. You don't even have to come up here, and we'll pray for you. You say, Pastor, that's me. I never made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. But I want to do it today. Would someone pray with me? Darla's back there. She's good at this. She'll come to your seat and pray with you. So if you never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, she'll come and pray with you right now. We'll just move on with the service. If that's you, raise your hand. That's me, Pastor. Would someone pray with me so I can receive Jesus Christ tonight as my Lord and Savior? So I can have the confidence that if I were to die tonight, I will go to heaven, not because of what I've done, but because of who. I made my Lord and Savior. You can raise your hand. She'll come to your seat. Anybody here? All right. I'll assume you all know the Lord. And one other thing I want to do is, Carl, you asked me to pray for you. Come on up.